going to try to wrap this up this week. Uh, we were talking about the rapture. The last three lessons are unique. Talking about the rapture. Today's lesson is supposed to be the millennium. And next week's lesson was supposed to be about heaven. Now, the reason why I call those three lessons unique is because none of us can tell from experience what those things are like. We have not experienced the rapture yet. It has been prophesied or foretold, but we have not experienced it yet. We've not experienced the millennium reign yet. And certainly, none of us have roamed the streets in heaven yet. Amen? But we're looking forward to that moment, to that day, to those events happening. And so, this it's put in here, and Jesus put it in his word, so that we would understand, one, the signs of his coming, the signs of the end time. Amen? So many people get caught up, and I'll just say this, and I, I neglected to take up the offer, so we're going to try to do that at the end, amen? But so many people get caught up in the time frame, and this is what the disciples asked Jesus, right? He says, hey, what, you know, what time is all this going to really happen? I need to know. And today, I mean, if you look over the years, we've had people try to prophesy and dictate and determine when God was going to return. Y'all remember the different times that people try to prepare themselves and they get them, you know, getting ready to leave the earth and, all right, he's coming back. He's coming back. It's going to be the end of the world. Remember Y2K? That's going to be it. What happened? Year 2000K. Look, I remember when everybody got spun up and was waiting, doing the countdown, waiting for the year 2000 to come. And then what happened? Another minute passed by. It was 12.01. And here we are now in 2015. Going on 2016. Lord willing, if you don't come back before then. But the things that Jesus talked about was not so much for us to dictate and determine the exact time that he was coming back. Instead, he wanted us to know that when you see these things occurring, know that it's coming soon. But one of the things that I see that's taking place throughout these lessons and when we look at Matthew chapter 24 and when we look at Revelate, the book of Revelations, there's a lot of information in the book of Revelations about what's going to happen. But did you realize that there was a warning to the churches? Throughout all those chapters, there's a warning to the church. Why is that? Why do we think that is? Why would there be a book dedicated to giving the prophecy about what the end times are going to be? Can anybody tell me that? That's a question. Like, it's not a, I'm not being a, a rhetorical, uh, giving you a rhetorical question. Why do you think that would be? Church, get ready. Okay. Prepare yourselves. For what? Prepare to get out of here. Amen. Okay. But what are we preparing ourselves for? Because Jesus, we already know that he's going to come back and he's going to rapture us up, right? So we don't have to make that part happen. 
So what is it that we have to be prepared for? Okay, got to be prepared to meet the bridegroom. So what are we doing in preparation for that? Being obedient to the word of God. All right, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. So we just going to, I'm going to give you what I'm looking for. Throughout all of those scriptures, the word of God is making it clear that there's going to be a lot of deception that takes place. What did Jesus say? He says there's going to be a lot of people that come along and say there's going to, you know, false Christ, right? False Christs are going to rise. He says, you know, people are going to come and say that here he is over here, right? Here he is over there. Oh, he's in the secret chamber. But what did Jesus say? Thank you. Don't believe it. The stuff is real. And you know what's interesting to me as I look at my children growing up? There's a lot that children don't realize. They don't know. Now, the, the children in the world, you know, people that are in the world, they, they we know that they're ignorant. And that's not to be uh, that's not to be vindictive or that's not to be uh, negative. But that's what it is. They don't know. They're living in darkness. Amen. But what gets me is the church body. When deception is creeping into the house of God. That's a concern. See, the promise is there that we're going to be raptured up. We're going to go to heaven if we live and we be obedient and we prepare ourselves for the bridegroom's return. All those things that we said. And yes, that's what we're supposed to do. Ultimately, that's the outcome. The outcome is we're going to go back with him. We're going to reign. And, you know, I look at the book of Revelations. I was reading it to my kids just the other uh, the other week when we're doing our devotion. And I said, it's awesome. I said, listen to this. I said, I mean, we can't even capacitate what heaven is really like. It's an awesome place. But, I mean, we we didn't even get the fullness of it just in those few words that were mentioned in the book of Revelations. I mean, he, he did his best to try to describe in words, in our vocabulary, what heaven is like, the beauty of it. The 12 gates, I mean, I just can't even imagine how it was set up. I was trying to picture it. The streets, it says it's like glass, like clear glass, but it's made of gold. Isn't that awesome? He starts naming off colors and stuff. That just you're like, wow, can you just imagine? That's what you're surrounded by. Now, Hollywood is trying to depict what beauty is and, you know, incorporate all the colors of the wind. I'm sorry, that was Pocahontas. But all the colors that exist, right, all the colors that we can think of, and they try to depict what was beautiful, but, I mean, they still haven't scratched the surface. And it's not just about what we'll see visually, because, you know, the glory of God is going to be there. Here's what I try to imagine. Heaven is a place where God is the light. So he says there'll be no need for sun or for the moon or for the stars. It's going to be God, the light, and there's not going to be any night. Can you imagine? Every day is just daytime, all day. There's no storms, there's no rains, there's no pain. 
That's pretty awesome, huh? Wow. We're just going to be enjoying ourselves. We ain't going to have no restraints. If we want to shout, Sister Bell, Brother Bell, you'll be shouting all day long. You ain't going to get tired. Those of y'all with back problems, you ain't got to worry about it. Had shoulder surgery, that's okay. You're going to be lifting your hands and shouting everything, leaping for joy. You're going to be running around. It's just, we're going to be worshiping God day in and day out. It's just going to be, it's going to be like one long day. That's awesome. But before we get to that point, there's some things that we're going to encounter. Now, I know we all like to believe that we're just going to be out of here, and, and maybe some of us will be gone before those times come. But rest assured, the saints, the Bible is very clear, the saints are going to face some things. Before that time comes, you know, because the fairy tale is, well, all of God's people, we're going to be gone, we ain't going to be persecuted, we got to worry about suffering, nothing. Because before all that stuff happens, Jesus is going to come back for us. That's not what Jesus said. He said you're going to be delivered up. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be put in prison. Some people are going to be beheaded. Answer me this. Can you deceive a person that's already deceived? How much more can they be deceived when they're deceived? So if the scripture talks about folks being deceived or the enemy or the beast coming to deceive the nations. Who's he coming to deceive? Well, he's already trying to do that, right? He's been trying to do that. And this is what Jesus was talking about. Don't believe what you hear and see. They're going to come about and they're going to be performing all kinds of wonders and miracles and, and all these signs and stuff and, and try to get people to believe and follow after them that that's Christ. But he says, don't believe it. You know, it really shouldn't. I mean, we should definitely we should always be giving glory, God, uh, glory to God for the miracles that are performed in, in, our, in our lives. When we give our testimonies and things like that. It should never be one of those things that's just kind of like commonplace. Somebody comes, and, and it's amazing to me. Just bear with me now. But I, I, I marvel at, we'll shout and do cartwheels over people that have been raised from the dead. Now, that's the power of God. He can do that, right? That's exciting. But then when one of our kids say, God helped me to get an A on my test. That was a challenging test, and they helped me get a, he helped me get an A on my test. Just kind of, you know, oh, praise God. Is one testimony any less than anybody else's if God is in the work? So we should be excited about it all, right? Because God is moving. If God's hand is in it, it's always exciting. Amen? Y'all with me? But now we shouldn't be surprised that God did it. 
You ever heard people say, man, I can't believe it. As a a child of God, we got to be careful, right? As a child of God, God does something miraculous and we say, man, I can't believe that. Well, you just spoke it. Why are you not believing? He said he's able to do it, right? The apostles had issues with that. They heard what he was saying. But when it was done, it was like they were so astonished, like, oh, my goodness, whoa. He said he was going to do it. He said he was going to raise up from the dead, did he not? Why are you surprised? If he says it, he's going to do it, right? Why do I say that? Because there's going to be a lot of folks that are going to be so astonished at what those, the false Christ, the Antichrist, is doing. And that's what's going to cause a lot of people to be deceived because they're going to be so surprised. They're going to be looking at the works and not the source of the works. See, for us, we expect God to do what he says he's going to do, but we're we're looking at it based upon what? His word. Right? So whatever is in his word, that's what he's going to do. But now when the false Christ come, they may be doing miracles, signs, and wonders, but is it accordance to his word? The enemy can't stand truth. The Bible says he's a liar, right? So you can look at the works, but the works are a result of the source. And if it's a lie, it's a lie. It's not truth. But you can't discern that if you're not in truth. If you're surprised by every little thing that happens, that's a good, that's a good indication you don't really have a good foundation. Any interesting thing that comes along, any any interesting phenomenon that happens, you just, so all these different doctrines that's coming along now, everything that's put out there, people are being deceived by false doctrines, right? Amen? Because you have no foundation. You just see somebody do something that's just really amazing and you just gravitate to that, but Did you check to see what spirit they're operating under? Because the Bible says do what? Try the spirit, right? The only way you can try the spirit is to have the spirit. Okay, so so moving on from that. We have to endure some things. Now, there's going to be a lot of deception that takes place. Look at it this way. Satan knows the scripture, right? Y'all know that, right? Okay, we got to make sure now because you, listen, <laughs> this joker is, is so slick. If you read about it, I can't remember where it's at, but there was a prophet in the Old Testament. God sent him to, uh, was it Jeroboam? To talk to the king. I think it was King Jeroboam, I can't remember. Didn't name the prophet, but it sent him there to give him a warning. You probably be able to tell me where it's at, but this is the same king that said he was going to go and attack the man of God. And when he reached his hand out, his hand became stiff. I can't remember where it's at. He delivered the message, but when God told him to go, he says, don't stay. Don't visit with anybody. Don't eat there. He says, when you go deliver that message, 
leave there. Come back. Come out of that place. The man of God delivered the message to the king. And all the people saw what happened with the king and his hand and everything and heard the message. But there was another prophet. He had two sons that was there, and the two sons came back home and told the prophet, says, man, there was some, man, you should have been there. You should have seen what happened. The man of God, there was, a, there was a prophet that came and delivered, and you should have seen what happened to the king. So then the prophet says, okay, where's he at? Which direction did he go in? The prophet that had the two sons got up, got on his animal, and went, to, went after the man of God. He reaches him. The man of God is sitting there under this tree. And he says, hey. He says, won't you come back with me? Come back and eat, you know. He says, no, I'm not supposed to go back. God told me I'm not supposed to return back with y'all, eat with y'all, anything like that. Then this prophet tells him, well, an angel came and told me. To tell you to come back with me and eat. Now, I don't know about you, but in my Bible, I never see a place where an angel's word trumps God's word. But I want you to get this now. What stood out to me about this story, because once the the, the prophet went back and he went and ate with him. He listened to what he said. Now, this is the man of God. He went back. And God used this same lying prophet, false prophet, to prophesy to the true man of God about his fate. Because he listened to him. Now, I know this sounds confusing. If I could just put this out in a skit, I would. But, I mean, you got what? You got the false prophet and you got the true man of God. False prophet says, come back with me. He says, God told me I can't. He says, don't worry about it. Angel told me you can. He goes back with him. Here's the false prophet. He's sitting there. They're eating. And all of a sudden, God uses the false prophet to prophesy to the man of God. The man of God didn't even make it back home. He told him his fate. And he met his fate on the way back. He didn't even make it back home because he disobeyed God. Because he was deceived by what the man said. But this is what stood out to me. The, man, the false prophet said an angel told me. So tell me this. The Bible says what about Satan? He's a liar. I mean, you can come up with a whole lot of stuff. I know he's like, brother, man, that's kind of broad, man. But he can transform himself Well, why is he able to do that? Brother Wayne, you can't answer no more, man. I'm trying to give everybody else a chance to answer. (laughs) You're telling all the answers. But yes, Lucifer. Because he was an angel in heaven, right? I mean, but this dude was talented. Listen, I'm a musician. I don't know if I want, you know, instruments built into my body, but, you know, I mean, to, to, to be able to play the bass and the keyboard and sing in three-part harmony, maybe four, 
and shout and do my background vocals all at the same time. The drums, you're going to hear the cymbals, and it's all coming from me. Can you imagine that? That's got to be pretty awesome. I thought it was pretty awesome. I'm like, man, God just, there's no limit to what he could do. But his job was to usher in the presence of the Lord. So that means you're going before and you're saying, here comes the Lord, you know, hear you, hear you, whatever he said, you know. But then he got the big head and he got kicked out of heaven. But notice what the scripture says. It wasn't just him that got kicked out. It was a third of heaven's angels that got kicked out of heaven. Now, I sit there and try to figure out, now, they're spiritual beings. They were all created holy. And Lucifer deceived a third of heaven's angels. Y'all following where I'm going? So if he can deceive spiritual beings and get them to miss out, why do we feel like he can't deceive us? They're already in heaven. They're already in the presence of God. That's what baffles me. I'm like, man. The Bible says that the righteous will scarcely. I think about those scriptures. I think about stuff like that. That's why the Bible, I, I believe that's why the Bible says don't, a man should not ever think about or think of himself more highly than what he ought to think. Because the moment we become prideful, we begin to miss out. That's what Satan was operating, operating in was pride. It is going to be the pride of the world that brings destruction to this world. It's already happening. Y'all think it's interesting? Or you think it's just a coincidence that they call it gay pride? I mean, that they make an official day to celebrate that? See, on my job, they, they, they've, they've gotten so slick now. I know this on the tape. It's okay. I'm in the church. I'm going to just teach the truth. But... Is they've gotten so slick now that part of the Equal Opportunity Program and all the other programs that they've come out with now, they're educating us on how we ought to be tolerant. So now when you feel, you, you know, you can, you can be, you can actually feel that position that becomes your, your job is equal opportunity in the military. At least in the army. But as part of your responsibility, whether you agree with it or not, you have to teach based upon what directive is being put out. And when those celebrations come out, you have to head those up. Now, tell me something. I may stand for truth and people may know I'm a Christian. But if I'm the one facilitating these events, what do you think people are actually getting? You really think they're getting that 
I'm standing against anything that opposes the principles of God, including homosexuality. Because I have to make sure the success of these events is good to go so that the command program is, is effective, right? Don't look at me crazy. It's just what it is. It's no different than our school systems. Oh, I could refuse to do it. There'll be some there may be some repercussions. It just depends on how I do how I go about it. And I have refused for me, I have refused to participate in certain things. But as a Christian, I also have to be wise and make sure that I'm not just out there being rambunctious. Acting a fool. Amen. Got to use some wisdom. But I have refused some things, yes. Because at the end of the day, my soul matters more. And And my witness to others matters more than some program that man has devised. And it's all, all it is is the agenda of the enemy. They're implementing this stuff in schools. I mean, they're really pushing the agenda. Here's, what, here's what's interesting to me, and I'm going to get off of this. I, I know. just I don't talk about stuff like this much because I know it's the way of the world. But while we're talking about truth and deception... This is one of the prominent things that's happening in our world. It's, and it's nothing new. This was, it's nothing new. It's always been around. The thing that catches my attention is that they're pushing the agenda. So much so that they're asking, they're not even asking the church no more. They're telling us to be quiet. They call it quiet Christians. Silent Christians. Be quiet. Listen, you can believe what you want to believe. You can think what you want to think. But let it be within the confines of your own house and your own church building. Now, let me say this. I am not an advocate for anybody going out and grabbing a bunch of guns, billboards, anything else, protesting, going about saying we hate homosexuality or we listen. God didn't call us to do all that. He didn't. He called us to take a stand for truth. Right? But how we do that should always bring glory to God. If I'm out there, you know, firing weapons, because I don't believe in homosexuality, so what I'm doing, sniping out homosexualities now, or people I think is homosexual? That ain't operating in the spirit of God. That's not the spirit. See, we think people just, you know, some people ain't going to give in to the things that's happening. But deception doesn't mean you're just going to give in to everything that's happening. Sometimes deception means you're going to react in ways that you shouldn't. Either way, you're being influenced by the wrong spirit. Y'all with me? But at some point, 
There should be something within us that say I'm willing to stand against what's not right. Listen, you can get they can tell you what they want to tell you in school, baby girl, but that's not right. That's not of God. Here's what the word of God says. This is what's right. You want to push the agenda? I'm so I'm I'm really just like, Lord, why? Why can they not see this? Don't pray in school. But when my children go to do P.E., we can play all that ungodly music that's promoting sex and everything else. But don't let the church say anything. Don't bring your Bibles to school. But we can use profanity when we train and all the players to play football. We can play ungodly music in the locker rooms when they're getting dressed and changing over. And guess what? Some of our Christian boys and girls are in those environments and atmospheres. This is all part of the agenda of the enemy to deceive the nations. We can't, at some point, we can't just, you know, be comfortable with just coming to church and just getting a few, spending a few hours and listening to somebody speak out some words and say, okay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I heard that before. Or I know that already, whatever the case may be. And then go about our business and not even pay attention to what's going on in our world. God is trying to tell us something. It's not enough just to hear the words. The Bible says we ought to be what? Doers of the word. Well, that applies to our children, too. Bible says do what? Train up a child in the way they should go. Guess what? Someday I'm going to be dead and gone. I may not be here when the tribulation um, or when the beast comes or whatever the case may be. I may not be here, but guess who may be here? My children may be here. What am I teaching them? What am I instilling into them? What life, what example are they seeing in me to prepare them for those times? And this is what Jesus was doing with the apostles. He says, listen, you're going to see these things happen. It's going to be a lot of deception. Yes, there's going to be some chaos. It's going to be confusion. And oh, by the way, some of us, our lives may be taken. Some people may be beheaded. Some of our own family members may turn us in and say, yup, that's that Christian right there. He say he Christian. I know my dad. He's lived the life. Yeah, that's the one. I may get taken to prison. Who knows what I'll have to face. But the reason why he was telling them that, he says, there's hope in this. He says, because when you're enduring these things, know that my my return is soon to come. Revelation talks about the resurrection of those that were beheaded, those that did not take the mark of the beast. Did you know that that's for real? He says, you're not going to be able to buy or sell. This is what I want to know. When those times come, how many people are going to be surprised? Oh, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about God's people. How many people are going to be surprised? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You ever you ever hear people talk about it? Talk about the news, things that happen on the news is like, you know, tsunamis, earthquakes, all this other stuff, and they just surprised like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. Whoa. They look at the condition of our government, 
They look at the 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 the, the wars and all that stuff, you know, the, the conflicts that are going on throughout the globe. See, that's why child tell you, I, I don't know. You, you're supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You got the word of God is telling you that these things are going to happen. Why are you surprised? What you should do is be focused on the fact that, okay, God is coming back soon. Oh, his return is soon to come. And no matter what I have to face on this earth, I know that there's hope after this. So whatever I've got to endure, I know that it's going to be all right. That resurrection, it's talking about people being raised from the dead. You know that resurrection means being raised from the dead, right? So you've been beheaded and they took your life and they thought you, they took you out forever. But here you are walking around again. I thought we got rid of him. That's what the devil going to think. He's trying to get rid of the church. He's trying to get rid of, rid of all God's believers. And God just says, I'm going to just raise them back up. Now they're going to reign with me for a thousand years. Read about the scripture that talks about the one coming on the horse. And he's cat, I mean, he's getting rid of, he's just slaying. He says it's going to be peace for a thousand years. Unimaginable peace that the world has really never understood before. Because Christ is reigning. That's that millennium, those thousand years. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to make sure if I'm here and I got to go through all those things, I don't want to suffer and then turn around and suffer some more forever. So if you got to take my, if this is going to take my life, this world is going to be so chaotic that my life is going to end. I want to make sure that it ends and I know I got a promise on the other side to live and reign forever with Christ. The angel going to come down and lock up. That serpent, they call him the devil in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And it's going to be unimaginable peace on this earth. True peace. Bible talks about after that, he's going to be loose for a little season. A little season. I looked at the scripture. It, is, it doesn't really talk about it much in much detail. But it tells us that when he's released, no sooner than he's released, he's going to go and he's going to gather around the saints. Around the camp of the saints as if to destroy. But guess what's going to start happening? God's going to rain. I'm just imagining. Can you, can you picture it? Everything that we done been through. Now we're standing there. And though we're surrounded by the enemy. God says enough. I'm going to deliver my people. Bible says on that great day, the small and the great will stand before the Lord. The books will be opened. You know, all those long lost forgotten details of our life that we might have just kind of all those things going to be brought back. But at the end of the day, the only book that matters is the book of life. He's going to look in that book. And if our names are not in that book, we're going to be sent away 
to suffer forever in the lake of fire. But if our names are recorded in that book, he'll look at us and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You fought a good fight. And guess what? You won. I've already defeated the enemy. You just came and joined my side. Now you get to enjoy my benefits. Isn't that awesome to think about that? I always think about it like a reservation to me. Every day, every moment of my life, I'm I'm literally just trying to keep my reservation. That's what I'm trying to do. Amen. So when they but see, the enemy knows that you have a reservation. When you first receive the Holy Ghost, when God first changed your life, you had a reservation. But the enemy doesn't want your name to stay recorded in that book. He wants somebody else to take your reservation. Not so. The enemy is a liar. I'm determined to make it to the kingdom of heaven. Why would I spend all this time coming to church? Y'all know sometimes your body don't feel like coming out here to church. Sometimes you just don't feel like getting up. That's the truth. The body don't want to pray. I'm only telling them. I'm not going to shellack it now. It's the truth. But we do it anyhow because we know that it's going to benefit our soul. By doing those things, you are keeping your reservation in the book of life. To hear the great king say, well, that's exciting to me. I don't know about y'all, but that's just, woo, just to know, Lord, when it's all said and done, you can put it all out there if you want to. That's all right. I just want to know, is my name in that book? You still got my reservation, Lord? Am I still good to go? It's in there. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Which gate do I go through? I can't wait to get in. It's exciting to me. That's the hope. That is the hope. So, yes, while we preach against a whole lot of stuff, what we shouldn't do and what we can be involved in and how we should live and so on and so forth, there's a reason for that because God is coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle. Spotted from the things of this world, has no wrinkle, has no blemish, nothing is hidden. Wrinkles represent something being in some creases. But he's coming back looking for a church. That is prepared for his return. Looks the way he he designed them to be. And ready to go back. If we can't value God's glory and his power in this life. How do we think we're ever going to value it on the other side? God is preparing us now. He's given us his word. I can't tell you from experience. But I can tell you I'm looking forward to that experience. Amen. And that's the hope for every child of God, the heart and hope of every Christian. One day we're going to make it in. So let's stay steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. When that day comes, we can hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. God bless you. Supposed to be a a 15 minute break. I'm sorry. I wrapped it up, though. 15 minutes and then we're going to start the service. God bless you. Let's get ready for a great move of God in our service this morning. I think there's some calls.